one. Welcome everybody to the one to go show. Once again, brought to you by Weir's Machine, W-E-H-R-S, Weir'sMachine.com. Tranny parts, suspension parts, car parts, pinion mounts. Also check them out on Facebook, Weir'sMachine.com and tell Chad we sent you. I am Puka, once again joined by Bert Lehman and Ryan Ayo. Well, we had lots of racing action going on this week, so we're going to get right into it. Thursday night, we started out out in Pennsylvania with the Lucas Oil Dirt Late Model Series. There's two words that kind of describe the whole weekend. Bert, you want to start and, and uh, tell the audience what the two words are? Kyle Larson and kind of who stole the show? <laughs> Kyle Lar- Larson. <laughs> um, I have to apologize to Kyle Larson for doubting his uh, driving abilities when we talked about uh, what our expectations were for uh, his uh um debut in a dirt late model uh i think we kind of all agreed that you know a top 10 would be a good start for him um he he surpassed expectations the first night uh he was running third at the end and i mean he was he was bouncing off that cushion and i mean you got to get one thing to say about him he doesn't give up until the checkered flag flies because he was going for more coming out of four when he tagged the wall and limped across the line in fifth place. But I mean, for his first race, that was very impressive. And then, uh, I mean, the next night got rained out and then Saturday night, uh, you know, I guess you could say he shocked the dirt late model world by, by winning the feature. And he's proven that uh, he is definitely a talent. I mean, I know some people say, well, he's got the best equipment, this and that, but you still have to drive it. You still have to stay up there and, um, I mean, to be in only a second, I mean, basically, it's not like, you know, this was only a second Lucas Oil start. I mean, this was his second start in a dirt late model. So uh, to win it is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, again, he was bouncing off the cushion, driving it like a sprint car. Um, I would be interested to see him race on a track where there isn't a cushion, uh, but I'm, I'm sure he would shock us in, in that situation also. <laughs> well, you saw that on Saturday. Because there really wasn't yeah. a question on Saturday. I mean, it was pretty black. But you got to remember, he races NASCAR. Well, I mean, not more, right? But NASCAR doesn't have a cushion ever, you know. So, well, he was running. He was. You're. You're right. You're half right. He was running the cushion in one and two, and and low in three and four. So yeah, but uh, the cushion was a little rough in one and two. So there were times when, uh, you know, he'd hit it, and the car would get unsettled a little bit. But uh, I mean, it. it it's just amazing the talent that uh, he has. And I mean, you know, there's a part of you that, you know, hopes he doesn't go back to NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think NASCAR is going to be the big winner on this deal, unfortunately. Right. Because ultimately he's going to come back to NASCAR. I mean, they're stupid, but they can't be that stupid to not let him back in. I mean, he built himself a huge fan base. I mean, racing the sprint cars, the non-wing stuff. He's been running all late models. I mean, his fan base is just catapulted. Now, how many of those fans, when he goes back to NASCAR, are at least going to watch a few more races just to see what he does, right? Only because of him. So NASCAR, if they're smart, which I'm questioning that right now, <laughs> I really am. But if they're smart, they'd be like, man, you need to come back because they, I mean, NASCAR has got nothing but black eye after black eye after black eye, and they got to do something right here. So I have to eat some crow. I, I, you, you said it, like <laughs> none of us, none of us picked him to win. In fact, I was questioning, you know, you know, I figured top 10, I thought top 10, I figured top five, 
maybe. I mean, that would be astonishing to me. But he came out right away, and, and yeah, it's hot laps. And he went out, and he was the fastest guy in hot laps. It's like, and everybody's like, it's just hot laps. It's like, well, if you're the fastest guy in hot laps, that's usually an indication you at least got a good hot lap. And he jumped into time trials, and the first set, he didn't do very good. Second set, all of a sudden, he's fast. And right away, he just set the stage day one. It's like, oh, my God. And uh, he reminded me a lot of Bobby Pierce. I mean, he's banging the cushion. He was he was smooth, but not smooth. He was kind of slapping the wall. But he, again, he carries his balls in a hefty sack, right? Let's just be <laughs> honest. I mean, he's got some cojones, and he drives hard, and you have to. And uh, it was fun. I know a ton of – I know, you know, the sprint our sprint car expert hates late models. He says they're they're like – just big overblown boats and boring they're slow but he didn't miss a beat in fact my buddy Keith he actually purchased a Lucas Oil subscription just to watch Kyle Larson <laughs> right now that tells you something I'd be curious to see how many I wish I could find the number I wish there was a way to see how many people purchased a Lucas Oil subscription this week only because Kyle Larson, no, remember, you have to, I think you had to have the yearly subscription. It's a one-time fee, right, for Lucas Oil. So I bet you they made a ton of money just because of him. So that was a huge, huge deal for them. And they, they had a little side bet. I know we talked about this on the show. They had the, the man crush side bet going on. And uh, my buddy Keith is going to be getting into a non-wing sprint car. And he found himself two sponsors that had to fork out some cash to him. So he has to be um, – and they had to give up their shout-outs. There's no shout-outs for the late model guy this week. He don't get a shout-out, right? So no shout-out for him. Keith gets his shout-out. But the fact is he gets some extra money coming in because he predicted – he's like, he's going to win one of them shows. And I'm like, hmm. It, and here's what's kind of funny. So he got fifth the first night, then it rained out, and he's and he's literally lobbying. We're in a we're in a four way text, right? And for this uh, for the side bet, and he's like, I don't think I should have to take the bet. One night canceled. I think the bet should be void, right? And and the other guys in the bet, they're like, Oh no no, you're stuck with it. You have to take it. And uh, well, I think they probably wish now that they would have said, "Yeah, you're right. You know, we'll just cancel it." And uh, he tried to he tried to bow out of the deal, and uh, then Kyle Larson goes out and wins. So that was pretty neat. But I tell you, he is an immense talent. I mean, it's rare. And I think as a race fan, I feel fortunate. Right? There's certain people that come into the sport, and you get to watch them, and it's something special. And this guy gets in anything. And what we're seeing right now, and it might be short-lived. I mean, who knows? He can be in a NASCAR ride next year. And if he's in the right ride, it'll be the wrong ride for dirt racing because he might not be able to race any dirt, right? So enjoy it while you can. And a lot of people, I've seen some haters out there, and nobody likes a winner. But the fact is, he's a winner. And uh, his, uh, I saw posted that his wife's probably going to have liver issues if he keeps on winning because, I mean, how cool <laughs> is that, right? Politically correct NASCAR <laughs> You don't see him shotgunning a beer, right? So you can tell he's a they're real racing family. She's out there shotgunning a beer. So that was cool as hell too. But you know, that was that made the that made my whole weekend just watching that because if he wasn't, I, I probably would have watched the highlights or whatever, but I paid close attention because he was racing that. And on on the record here, I'm gonna say this half miles still suck. All right. Half miles still suck. Um, I, Bert, I'm sorry. I know you're you no, like that's ball, fine. your home track's a half mile, so I was picked on you about that. But you know, well, don't get me. Well, it, looks like that, it looks like Port Royal's a big. 
Yeah, it looked it looked half really mile. big to me. I mean, yeah. there's a half mile and there's a big half mile, and that it's looks correct. like a big half mile. Oh, and don't forget, guys, <laughs> and not just NASCAR for Kyle Larson. You know, we got Tony Stewart's new series, and and who knows what Tony? I mean, you know, we're gonna talk about Donnie Shots a little bit later, but maybe Kyle Larson ends up in a part-time Donnie Shots ride with a sprint and ends up in that that series. When does that launch next year, or is that two years? I thought, it was 20, I thought it was 2021, but I'm not 100% positive okay, so on that. Yeah, so, so I think it is too. So he may not want to go back to NASCAR. And then, who, you know, like I said, Tony's going to launch this thing. There's your star. There's your, you know, there's the, the promoter's choice right away. This is the guy we want on all the tracks because he's got he, NASCAR knows him. The asphalt fan knows him. And, of course, now that every dirt fan knows him. So it'll be interesting to see kind of which way he, he goes. Well, that brings me back to like Cedar Lake. You know, they kind of spearheaded the whole deal. They had Tony Stewart night, right? They had uh, they had that. Then they had Dale Earnhardt Jr. come. They had Matt Kenseth come. They had these these stars come, and really NASCAR has just kind of dwindled down. So now getting a NASCAR guy to your racetrack, not a huge deal, right? It's just, in my opinion, it's not a huge deal. But if racetracks can find a way to get Kyle Larson to your racetrack, holy cow! Right now, that will pack the place. Now, I'm guessing that just like Junior, I think wasn't it a hundred grand that Cedar Lake had to force out, fork out to get Junior to come to Cedar Lake? I don't know. Is that what it was? Yeah, <laughs> wow. it was. It was a ton of money, and he didn't even race. He just signed autographs and waited. Yeah, it was a ton of money to get Junior there. And from what I understand, is that was rain or shine. So they actually had insurance on that show because they're like, if it rains, oh, we still got to pay them, right? I mean, we still got to pay them. So if it rains, oh, we're screwed. And Kyle Larson's that guy right now to where, hey, I'm telling you, he's marketable in the dirt track world. And if a racetrack said, if they wanted a promo deal, that would be a promo deal because you would absolutely pack the place. Can't do it in Minnesota because you'd have way more people coming than what they would allow. But uh, he's, he's definitely the talk of the dirt track world right now rightfully so and it's kind of fun to have that that guy because he's pretty polarizing too you know you see some people they love him they're, they 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 want to see him win and he's got a lot of haters too right so it's it's kind of fun you got to have that guy but right now he's it and uh it's going to be curious i'm curious to see what he's going to do next there was a little joke on facebook um about him possibly racing at boone and you know or whatever and and that's not happening. That I'm like, and I, I even thought right away when I saw it, I'm like, wow, he's going to run. I mean, really? He's going to run Thornton's car? And then I got to thinking, well, Ricky Thornton is arguably like the best mod driver in the country, right? He's not giving up his ride for Kyle Larson. Sorry, ain't going to happen. So, but uh, I, I, for a second there, they had me too. And uh, then all of a sudden I saw a whole bunch of stuff. He's running a pure stock. He's running this, he's running that. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, pretty cool. Puka, what was your thoughts on, on the weekend? Well, with the Lucas. Well, uh, of course, getting away from Kyle a little bit. Uh, of course, Lars or uh, uh, Owen stayed hot. You know, T Max still looks good. But the one guy that kind of caught my eye and got me thinking was Chris Ferguson. Oh, Ferguson, he's the only guy that can get a Bloomquist car to turn left. You know, I mean, he's probably been the most consistent Team Zero car since. July 1st, or maybe even, you know, if you kind of look at that, I mean, you know, Bloomquist is terrible. Ricky's kind of slowly, I don't know if he's digressing. He's <laughs> at least not progressing, you know, McDowell. He's, he's been terrible. Under his standards, he's been terrible, I promise. Yeah, I mean, McDowell, kind of a small sample size, you know, so you really can't, can't 
take too much from there, but you know, Ferguson, you know, was kind of right in there. Um, so that was kind of my thoughts, Bert, what, anything else on, on Port Royal for you? Uh, I just wanted to say, I mean, I mean, we, we touched on this a little bit last week, but what a difference the chassis makes. I mean, Hudson O'Neill. Um, I mean, Saturday, I mean, Saturday, he was competing for the lead. He eventually finished 14th, but I mean, he was running with, uh, Shepard and, and, uh, Larson, you know, at the front. So, I mean, it's just amazing what a chassis can do. So, I mean, sometimes you can't always say, well, I mean, we've said this about Ricky Weiss. I mean, sometimes the chassis makes a big difference and maybe, you know, Ricky's thinking about that. Uh, but looking over the results, one of the drivers that caught my attention was uh, Josh Richards. I mean, he's really not doing much this year either. I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season, watching an interview with him and he said that the reason Clint Boyer's team went down the one team was they're going to concentrate on winning the winning the championship well they're not even I, I don't I don't know where he is in the standings but I mean he's not close to winning a championship so uh, you know he left a championship team <laughs> to go yeah. to Boyer and since he got to Boyer he really hasn't you know he ha he doesn't seem to be as as good as he was in the best car Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, he's been I, – I noticed he seems to do a lot better when there's grip on the track than when it's just black slick. Um, and not – I'm not talking like a bang the cushion. I'm talking like when he was down at East Bay, he was fast. Um, and there was some traction down there. But, you know, and then he had some rough luck. I think he's the king of the flat tires this year. He had a pile <laughs> yeah. of them down there when he was in contention. But he's really hit and miss, right? Like he's either right up front or he's like 10th, 12th, somewhere in there. And he's, he's never, he's not that guy that's consistently right there. So he's lacking a little something. I'm not sure what it is. Clearly it's not a rocket because uh, rocket one is always in the front. So is the 20 car pretty much always. So uh, I'm not sure what it is. They're missing a little bit of something, but you know, he's, he's still a guy that you can't count him out. He's, I think he's still got some right. weight left in him. Yeah. I mean, he got a 10th and 11th, which I mean, it's not bad, but I mean, when you think of him, you, you know, you're thinking top fives, not top tens. Right. All right, fellas. Well, let's move on to another Thursday night program that got going, which was uh, Grand Rapids. Uh, Ryan, you had some comments there. Crown the champions. Yeah, they just had their season championship up there. Johnny Broking, first time that he's done this. He actually won three track championships this year. So that's pretty cool. Grand Rapids, Superior, and Hibbing. He won all three. Uh, the Fink Bones, uh, father-son duo, they won points at both um, Hibbing and Grand Rapids. Tristan Labarge, Hibbing and Grand Rapids. But uh, Charlie Castle, local guy up there running a B-Mod, um, it's been like 15 years or some crazy thing since he's won a championship. He won the championship in the Midwest Mods, so pretty cool there for Charlie. Good good racing family. Mervin is kid. He races too. Um, so hats off to all them champions. And upcoming this week, we got, we got the end-of-the-year special there. We'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. And Friday night, Gonick Law Speedway. Well, I don't know if you got to watch it. One more thing there on Rapids is they didn't have late models on Thursday, but Jeff Provenzino was actually there with his Longhorn. Um, he got, he actually got Simpsons. I think it was Chad or Chris, one of the Simpsons, they switched over to MB and he got his hand on a couple Longhorns and he went there and he tested on Thursday night, went out, made a few laps. He said it felt pretty good. Went down to Ogilvy then, well, you know, he, he kind of had a rough night at Ogilvy, ended up pulling off. I think he had some issues or 
he didn't pull up. That was cool. I think he got like 12th or something. But he said he was a little bit off on a couple of things, but he's in a different car. But uh, Gondek Lost Speedway Friday, Mother Nature come in. And guys, okay, you, you've never raced, but I'm telling you, when, when that place gets some rain, it's like super blue. It starts out super slimy, and then it is super wide open. It's like the stickiest red clay that you've ever seen. And uh, it, they got rain. So right after a few of the heats, in between some of the heats, I think Mons were next, it started to rain. They had about an hour and a half or some rain delay. It was crazy. And then it was throttled down. And, you know, I think the story for me was Belfires. Mike and Jody both jumping into late models this year. Mike ran a little bit for Trevor Wilson last year. He got a, a newer MB Custom. He went out there. The first night he went out, he broke a fuel pump. The second night he went out, which I think that would have been his second night, was this Friday, uh, lap three of the heat race. The guy spun out, collected him, destroyed his car. I think it wrecked his X-frame and everything. Sounds like he was knocked out. And uh, he was planning on coming up Labor Day weekend. The car's down at Mars right now on the jig. So I don't see that happening. Um, Jody looked really good in the heat. He's driving Dave Essie's car. He looked really good in the heat. And he doesn't do this often. He's one of the smoothest drivers I've ever seen. He's really good in that 11 modified, and he ended up spinning out in the first corner, um, started front row, spun out in the first corner of the feature, and collected the 44. Um, looks like Bert dropped off there, so we'll have to get him back on. But he collected the 44. And when he collected the 44 ride, Daryl went in the pits, and I thought he was going to be done, but he comes back out, right? Daryl comes back out on the track, and there's a yellow, and I think Daryl got back up to fifth. And, and that right there, I mean, I'm telling you, he is literally the fastest late model right now in the in the region without a feature win. Yeah. And, and I, I'm like, I thought maybe this is a night that he was going to win, but then he had to come from the back. The track was fast. He didn't really have that opportunity. But Proc now, um, there's a guy, I got to look to see how many wins he has, but he runs really good. He makes a trip up. Now, keep in mind, he's a Red Cedar car. He runs Menominee every Friday. So because Menominee didn't open because of COVID, they gained Mike Procknow pretty much all season long or most of the season. He started ninth and won. He yeah. was holding. I mean, he was fast. And he was fast at that World of Outlaw show. That's so what I was, was going to say. He looked really good there. Yeah, that Yeah. Night. So he was crazy good there. And, you know, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I saw there. Sobras it was really heavy. Sobraski did not get a win at Gondek, which is rare. It's been pretty slick there. Uh, he did not get a win. Kevin Burdick won another championship there. Johnny Broking, of course, I mentioned him. He won the championship. But uh, I think the, the guy that impressed me, I'd say Procknell looked really, really good. Um, I think he's it's Kevin Eater's cousin or something like that. They, uh, <laughs> they, they, they play a little kissy face there at the Road of Outlaw show. Um, I haven't heard if Crocknell's coming up for Labor Day weekend or not. I really hope so because he's a, he's a fast car. He's a good runner. I think it would be somebody that I'd really like to see up north. Um, I reached out to him. I haven't heard back yet, but I'd really like to see him up. So so I've, what did you – yeah, you watched probably a little bit from Gondek Law yourself. I mean, what did you – no, no, no. Actually, I, did, I didn't catch any Godnick Law, um, but I did want to say on Procknell that I think he's he's a past modified champion at the Labor Day Shooter, I believe, about 20 years ago. Boy, I don't remember that. I don't remember uh, those, that. No, no, that was not Mike Procknell. That was either Brent or Ross, which would be oh, a cousin okay. to him. So oh, okay. Mike, Mike, I believe, I think this is right. I think Mike is Ron Procknell's kid. That's why he's got the 68, right? 
In the 78th was Larry Prochnow back in the day. And I believe, yeah, I believe his kids are Ross and Brent. And I believe it was, boy, I can't remember which one it was. I have to look. I think I, have to look, I could look really quick here, but I feel like it was Ross Prochnow um, that won. And that was, uh, yeah, that was about 20 years ago. I, I actually won that night too. I think it was maybe 2000 or 98. I'd say around 2000 because he did one of the classiest things I've ever seen. That year, uh, I think there was a guy from Frabonis went around and got some extra bonus money from the Hibbing merchants. Okay. And the next week there was a little ad in the sports section of the Procknell saying, thank you merchants for coming on board and you providing the section money, making the Labor Day shootout extra special, all that stuff. So there's a little ad in there and it was like, wow, you know, when have you ever seen that happen? So right. uh, they always stuck out as like really being, you know, kind of classy people. So, right. Um, and and they, they've they been heavily involved with the Red Cedar Speedway. I mean, that whole family in some way, shape or form has been on the board at the Red Cedar Speedway for as long as I can remember. And uh, one of my, you know, we're going to get into some Labor Day stories this week, but back in the day, Larry Prochnow, they he was running a super stock. Ron was in a late model, but Larry Prochnow's wife hung out with Steve Rudiger's wife and Arvin Jeske's wife. And that's back when I was like seven or eight. And they kind of took me under their ring. And I, I met all them through Ron Jones and hung out with them at all the specials and, you know, had some really good times. And that was back in like, Ninth, early 1980s so that was a long time ago but i remember it to this day hanging out with them guys and yeah i had a lot of fun with that family yeah i remember that proc now that red red white red white 78 right yeah yeah was it larry yep. denny's appliance or larry's appliance or something De- like i think i think it said denny's something yep. on there and then and then ron of course it said i think it was the steer supper club or the big steer supper club or something <laughs> like that yeah the 68 ride so yes yeah, so oh, I'm, not Bert, sure, I'm not sure where Bert is. He kind of yeah. dipped us. I, I don't know. I'm kind of kind of hurt my feelings, but the show must go yeah, on. We, so. we gotta, yeah, yeah. We're going to keep – he's asking me if he can leave and try to get back on the meeting. So we're going to keep working on this. We're going to keep going. I'll turn Ryan loose here. So Grand Forks, another Friday track. Yeah, Lance Schill picked up the win at Grand Forks. I don't know the guy at all. It seems like he's jumped right into the late model class. He was really good in the Midwest Mod. He's got a couple wins under his belt. He's run really good over there. But the guy that I was impressed with and I continue to be impressed with, Dustin Strand, he got second, but he started ninth. And I'm telling you, that guy right there, I I talked to him this week. I'm like, Dustin, what do we got to do to get you over here? Like, I know that you're fast at home. I get it. It's miles. You got tracks right there. But, I mean, we want to see you. We want you over at our tracks. What do we got to do? Because, now I don't think any of the other late model guys probably want that. Right, because he uh, he races hard. I mean, he's not afraid to use the up a little bit. I may have learned that because I raced against him, but he's incredibly fast. As a fan, I love watching him, and he's got the right number. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's fast because of seventy-one. So, but uh, Dustin Strand looked really good again, um, ninth to second there at the River City Speedway. And then uh, another Friday track, Aberdeen. Our Kent Arment won. Shocker. Won the points. Won the points, too, I won, see. Yeah, won the points. Um, Showtime, Kent Arment. I mean, one of the best drivers um, ever to come out of South Dakota. Multiple national championships. But the guy to watch, I'm telling you right now, the guy to watch out there in South Dakota right now, Cole Searing. Yeah, okay? Tyler McDonald is a rookie, and he's got, I think he's up to like five wins or whatever. Cole Searing, 
also a rookie. Now, the difference is Tyler McDonald came from an A mod to a late mod, so he's used to the speed. Cole Searing was in a B mod and a super stock. So now he got into something with a four-barrel, a little bit different transition, and he he's barely finished out of the top five. He started eighth, I believe, I'm looking at my notes, and got second, okay? So he drove to the front. Now, what's significant about him starting eighth? See, Kent Darment won from third. Searing started eighth. You got to remember, it's a point average lineup. So if you started third, your last month ain't been very good, right? Because <laughs> that's why you're starting up there. Yeah, yeah. Cole Searing has the highest point average at the track, meaning that over the last month, he's consistently had better finishes than everybody else, right? And he's still driving by people, getting up into the podium, finishing there. Um, that's going to be somebody to watch the up, up, upcoming weekend. They got a double header out there, but uh, keep an eye on that 10. He's been really fast and he's got good equipment, which, which all the top guys do. Okay. All the top guys have good equipment, but, uh, Keep an eye on that 10 car for sure. Yeah, one of the young guns we talked about last weekend. All right, MTS is another show that got in Friday. I did get a chance to catch that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty impressive. Crowd looked really good. Um, you know, what were your thoughts there? I mean, Chris Simpson, Iowa boy. I mean, are we going to – Why don't you meet? go ahead and start with your thoughts on that one first? Okay. Yeah, I just think that, you know, I, as much as I would like to have seen a quote-unquote was older guy win, I was kind of happy to see Chris Simpson win just because I'm hoping – that maybe there could be some sort of a bridge made here now between some of the Iowa late model drivers and the Wisconsin, Minnesota guys. You know, there's always kind of like that hard boundary there with Wazota. And then of course the aluminum engines down there and the steel engines there, but you know, with this dirt King mix, I'm hoping that maybe that will attract more synergy so that we can see more of those Iowa drivers. You used to be able to see them a lot back when the world racing group was going. And then the world racing group would travel into the area and many of the Wazota guys would go ahead and, and race with them. Um, so you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. So, you know, congratulations to him. Um, trying to think what else, you know, Glenn's, you know, kind of who, who do we have on there? You know, door was up towards the front. Um, well, uh, <laughs> the uh, poor man's Bobby Pierce was up there towards the front, but uh, I don't know if he, I don't know what happened there. He just, you know, he faded and faded pretty hard. I don't know if you talked to him or found out what happened there. Um, but, you know, all in all, I thought, uh, you know, pretty good. There he is. He's back. He's back. back. <laughs> well i i learned that uh i cannot do the podcast and have my wife watch netflix at the same time oh okay <laughs> i you you also need to learn not to blame the wife uh, <laughs> you're gonna get us all in trouble so so what you gotta well, say she, is it was my fault it was my fault <laughs> she says she says sorry <laughs> <laughs> no no problem we're just just got started at mts did you get a chance to see that one I did not see any of the MTS. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, what were your so, so you talked about the poor man's Bobby Pierce, Jake Tim, and, and he was up on the wheel. And all I mean, guys, I'm telling you, he's just like Bobby Pierce. He's crazy fast. He's on the pump, but he's not smooth. He banged the wall. He was picking up a push. He, I don't know if something happened to the car where it just got extremely erratic on him. I'm not really sure what happened. Um, Dustin Sorensen, I think he struggled a little bit too. But uh, Mars obviously ran good. I think he came from eighth to second. I think he got fourth in the second one. I mean, it was pretty tractioned up. It was There wasn't a lot of passing. It was fast, but it wasn't like a ton of passing out there. But a guy, something that really stuck out to me, one of the guys that I was really looking forward to seeing up at our Labor Day swing, James Nitro Giassi, he pounded the concrete. 
um, on the in the first feature, and I, I it didn't show it. And all of a sudden they said, Giassi hard into the wall. And I was hoping they showed it because I wanted to be able to show it on the clip, but they didn't show it happening. It sounds like it was a hard hit. I asked him if he's going to have it back together. He's like, I just don't know. And he does the, I think he's one of the main fab guys down at MB Customs. So it's like, dude, like seriously, back in the day when I was <laughs> racing, I'd rip the car in half on a Friday. We would not sleep and we'd be back ready for Saturday. So I'm hoping that's the case, hoping, you know, because last year he didn't come up to Labor Day either because he hurt a motor, so he didn't have an engine. So it's like, bang it, you know. So um, another thing that stuck out to me is, what do they have, 17 late models? Yeah, I guess I didn't get a count. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, well, it wasn't great the Friday before even either, yeah, necessarily. Yeah, but they had, they had a full feel. They yeah. had a full feel. They had, they had 25 the week before. Yeah, and a lot of them guys didn't come back. And, and we're talking 5,000 a win. Now, I, I should have pulled up the lineup, and I can maybe do that as we're talking here. But I, I think there's a couple of them guys that were starting fairly decent spots that just didn't come back. So, and, and Mississippi Thunder did go above and beyond. So not only did they reschedule the 5,000 a win show, but they didn't say, hey, you got to come back and race this feature. They gave them another race, right? A whole other program for two grand to win. So that was a pretty cool deal. Just another testament to what the guys down at Mississippi Thunder are doing, you know, you can tell he's a racer. Bob Tim's a racer. He's a racer's promoter. He knows that people don't want to travel down for one show, so he gave them two. And uh, just disappointing to me that some of them guys didn't come back. I'm going to kind of look through my notes here to see maybe if there were some guys starting up front. The other thing we are talking about, Procknow there, it was Brent Procknow um, that won in 2000. Uh, he won the modified feature at the Labor Day shootout. So that was Brent. Uh, but, of course, that's Larry's kid. So I think they were both 78. I think Brent and Ross both had a 78 on their car, I believe, back then. Um, one was kind of they, – they're totally different-looking people. They don't they don't even look like brothers, but uh, both of them were good racers for sure. But, yeah, Mississippi Thunder, uh, you know, I, I guess Chad Simpson was the class of the field. Uh, Mars did – at the end of that first feature, yeah, he closed the gap. So maybe if it would have been another five laps, he might have had a little something for him. I don't know if I don't know if Simpson got into protect mode or if well, Mars was in chase mode. Or yeah, what Mars happened. pushed. Mars pushed too, coming out of two one time, and and he lost four car lengths, and then it was like with three or four to go, and he just couldn't make it up. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yep. So, yep. So yeah, overall good racing down there though. And uh, yeah, what what else? Uh, what else you got, man? Well, you, you take a look at that. We'll turn over to Bert now and Sean. Or Bert, well, did you have a comment on MTS? Yeah, I have one comment on MTS. I mean, I, I don't know if Mitch McGrath went back to MTS, but I know none of the other Eastern drivers went back. Uh, I did find it – well, I mean, I know MTS races on Friday nights normally, and we're getting to the end of the season, so it's tough to do makeup races and that sort of thing. Uh, but they did schedule that race against the Dirt Kings race, um on friday night now it, it wound up that the dirt kings race got rained out and it got rained out fairly early in the day so if somebody did really want to go from eastern wisconsin there they they could have um but you know i know mississippi thunders had several dirt kings there races at their track so i was a little surprised that they scheduled this against the dirt kings race but again we're getting to the end of the season when dates are getting hard to come by and that sort of thing so uh that was my only comment on that. Uh, speaking of well, Eastern Wisconsin. No, go ahead. 
Yeah, really quick. McGrath was supposed to start sixth. Okay. And, uh, I don't believe he made it back. Um, I will okay. look that up as you're talking about Shano, but I don't think he came back, which that's mind-boggling. Starting six for five grand to win. I don't know why he wouldn't have came back for that. Well, and, that and especially since he's suspended from Dirt Kings for the rest of the season, so he couldn't race on Friday night anyway. Correct, um, correct. So, and he was not at uh, the Rush Scheffler tribute night on Thursday night, so um, I'm not sure if Plymouth Dirt Track also suspended him uh, for the incident that happened there. But anyway, uh, and speaking of the uh, Rush Scheffler tribute night, uh, they got their heat races in on that Thursday night, and then the features, unfortunately, got rained out. And then uh, the entire Dirt Kings race uh, program got rained out on Friday night. Uh, that area of the state, they were predicting like up to three inches of rain. So uh, they got socked pretty hard in that two-day stretch. Uh, but on and actually, speaking of Plymouth also, I'll just mention this. Uh, they're done for the year for late models. No more late model races at Plymouth, at least according to their schedule. Uh, they have uh, sprint cars and some other uh, racing events, but no late models on their schedule for the rest of the year. Um, so Saturday night at Shano Speedway, a couple of uh, Plymouth cars did come to Shano. I, I was a little disappointed that more didn't come. I don't know. It just seems like... Some of the late model drivers on this side of the state, they just, you know, if their program gets rained out, they just say, okay, let's get the cooler out and have a few beers. Um, so, uh, but Justin Ritchie made the, well, Justin Ritchie is actually from New London, which is not far from Shano. He races for a car owner who, who's down from the Plymouth area. So that's why he races at Plymouth weekly. Uh, but then uh, uh, another driver from Plymouth also made the trek, but entering the night, um, I was talking to one of my friends who also happens to sponsor Troy Springborn. And uh, we were talking about the race for the championship, points championship. And Troy had a, uh, Troy Springborn had a 14 point lead entering the night. And I made the comment, maybe I jinxed it. I made the comment, unless something really bad happens, uh, <laughs> you know, he should be okay <laughs> with two weeks to go. Uh, well, in the future, something bad happened um uh at it was on the first lap entering going down the back stretch entering turn three um i'm not exactly sure what happened watching the video uh he, he and justin ritchie made contact and uh justin ritchie's car actually got a little sideways and was on top of troy's nose a little bit i mean ritchie's actually lucky he didn't go rolling into the corner the way his car was for a while and then uh you know, he spun one way, Troy spun the other way. Uh, unfortunately, Troy got hit by, I think it was Nick Avalink actually hit him, which, which put Troy's car into the air. He rolled over, hit the wall, landed on his wheels. Um, but obviously, he was done for the night. Uh, his car had some major damage. Uh, I didn't talk to him at all after the race. Uh, he and his crew were thrashing on the car just to be able to get it into the trailer, I think. And uh, so uh, at the end of the night, when all the dust settled, uh, there he is uh, tied with Ron Berna for the points lead at Channel. So basically next week during the fair, it's going to come down whoever finishes ahead of the other one. So I don't think I've ever seen a 
late model championship at Channel Speedway going into the final night where they were tied. I've seen it where it's been like one point, two point, you know, single digit points, but I've never seen them tied. So uh, that's going to be a fun feature to watch next week. And uh, hopefully Troy can get his car back together or uh, I think he might have a he might have a second car. So, you know, maybe he has to throw that one together. But uh, uh, hopefully he'll get out there. I do need to give a shout out to uh, Chris Engels. He hasn't had a he hasn't had a great season this year, but uh, he started on the outside of the front row. And uh, before the race, I let you guys pick your 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 predictions, and I I told you I was going to take Engels, and he wound up uh, beating Nick Avalink, uh, who finished second. But uh, I I know Chris can I know Chris can win. And the way the track has been lately at Shano, it's been a, a cushion dominant track. So is you know the cushion is a is the fast way around the track. So as long as you can hit the cushion right every lap, you know chances are you're gonna you're gonna win. And there were a few laps when uh, the car got a little squirrely on him because he said it was a rough cushion. <laughs> and uh, at one point, uh, Nick Avling did get to the inside of him. And when I talked to Chris Engels after the race, you know, I said, I told him, I said, when Nick got to the long side of you, I thought to myself, well, at least he knows that he's there now. And that's what Chris said too. He said, I knew he was there. So I had to get going. So it was a good victory for him. He's kind of had a tough year this year. Yeah, that's pretty cool to hear another guy getting a win that hasn't won all year. Um, I'm thinking Nick Anvilin's not a huge, big slide job guy, is he? He's more of a, roll the middle smoother. I mean, yep. did he ever get close enough to pull off? Like if if maybe Bobby Pierce or Tyler Erb was in his position, did he get close enough to throw the death slide on him or did he just not get that close? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, he was alongside of him coming out of two at one point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Nick's not, Nick's not a big slide job type of a person, I don't think. Um, Maybe in his younger days, he would have tried that. I, I think he's gotten a little bit more conservative over the years. Because um, it seems to me like he used to run the top more than, than what he does now. Uh, but, you know, he is racing at MB Customs. And, uh, you know, those cars tend to, well, at least the drivers tend to like the lower and middle side with that. Although uh, Chris Engels has an MB Customs too. So he was making it work on the high side. So but, what you're saying there is he's gotten soft in his old age, right? <laughs> so Nick, Nick Anvilink, Nick, if you're watching the show, Bert Lehman said that you've gotten soft, ultra-conservative. You need to leave your purse at home and throw that death slide next time. Yeah, I've seen Jesse well, Glenn's on the top in that MB. Seems to work okay up there. Well, in the in a couple of the other divisions, there were uh, some good sliders going on. Uh, I mean, if you want to watch a, a driver – who races at Shano on a regular basis, throw sliders, watch uh, Lucas Lambrey's in the IMCA modified division. Um, he throws sliders and he's not afraid to talk about it afterwards either. So, uh, <laughs> nice. All right, fellas, you're ready to move on to another Saturday night track. We had racing action in Ogilvy, Minnesota, and they brought the uh, Wazota late models in for their one and only appearance of the year. I uh, got to see this one. Uh, Ryan, what'd you think? I thought it was a great night of racing. Fantastic track. Ogilvy seems to be getting better and better at putting these big shows on. Boy, that track was amazing. I mean, it was, all the racing was good. I mean, the, the super feature, the mod feature, 
all of it was good. The late model feature was unbelievable. If you looked at the results, you would have thought in your mind, okay, Shaw started up front and won. That's kind of what you'd have, you, if you had looked at the lineup and where they finished, you'd have been like, yeah, kind of looks like probably not a whole lot of passing. But he actually fell back and had to charge back up on the high side. And what a race. I mean, between him, Daryl Nelson, Jeffrey Massengill, those three for many, many laps, you could throw a blanket right over them. And uh, Shaw, I think he's got two or three wins on the year. And I know he won down south over the winter a couple races. Um, Massengill and Nelson, yeah. they, they literally, somebody's got to open up their checkbook and buy them a win because they, they can't buy a win. They can't get a win. I don't know what the deal is. Both them two have been in the top five night after night after night after night. And they were there. They battled for the win. And they just fell just a little short again. And, uh, boy, I tell you, I, like I said, that 44, in my opinion, by far the fastest late model driver in our region without a win, Jeffrey Massengill is not too far behind. Guys, he's been constantly in the top five. And uh, when we get into the little predictions, we'll talk about that when we get into what's upcoming. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But Shane Sabraski added two more wins to his win count. So if you're tracking the Sabraski win count, he's at 35. Okay. And he's got eight features that he's going to race this weekend. Um, so maybe he can maybe he can get halfway to 50 by the end of the weekend. Uh, I still think he's going to get there. You guys picked under. I picked over. Right. And uh, two more wins on the weekend for the 7A. But great racing action down there at Ogilvy. I mean, just a, if you haven't been there, you've got to get down to that place. They, they put on a hell of a show. they got a great racing surface. And the facility is pretty awesome, too. Yeah, and I don't even know who led more laps, if it was Daryl or Shaw. You know, it could have or could have been – I bet you it was pretty close. You know, I guess I didn't go back and look at that. I was just thinking that as you were talking. And how about Dan Ebert in that breeze shot ride? Plus 13 spots. I mean, very impressive. A guy that hasn't been in the late model a whole lot this year. I mean, he, he's basically, I, I, I didn't see him until Cedar Lake. You know, he they showed up at the Nationals, and I've been seeing him just a little bit. So that was pretty impressive. Well, here's the deal, Puka. And we didn't touch on this last week. So he was plus 13, but he started 13th and one last week at I-94 in that oh, late model. Okay. So I, I, talk, I just talked to Dan, and I, I, he's coming up to Ashland Rapids. He's planning on hitting. I said, you bring in both. He goes, I'm working on Harlan because he drives for Harlan Breeshoten. And he says, I'm working on him right now. I think I'm close. So I'm really hoping to see the 66 late model up there as well. Dan Ebert, class act family, class act operation, and a very talented race car driver for sure. Yeah, he looked he looked good. And like I said, he won a heat, I believe, at the Nationals on one of the nights. He looked good there too. So, all right, we'll finish up this section with the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. Got a couple of races in, uh, US 36 in Missouri um, on Saturday night. Did either of you get to catch the uh, race there? That was, uh, this is for the highlight reel now. <laughs> I did. Bert, did you watch that one? Yeah, well, I, I, I watched the highlights of it, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that that finish was uh, pretty exciting. I've I've never been a huge sprint car fan, but I'm telling you, this year, some of these races have been very entertaining and fun to watch. Um, the thing that really amazes me about the sprint cars is uh, how fast they can make up ground. I mean, you're at a point in the race where you think, now there's no way that the, you know, the second place car is going to catch the leader. And then all of a sudden on the last lap, there he is. And he takes the lead and wins by half a car length. I mean, it, it's just been crazy with some of the finishes that they've had this year. 
Yeah, you're you're exactly right. So we 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 got this group text going on. Several of my buddies, a couple of the experts for the show, and and my buddy Keith says all the time. He goes, the closing speed on the sprint cars is second to none, and and I'm kind of in the same boat. I've never really thought of myself as a huge sprint car guy, but my God, I mean, it's been extremely entertaining. I mean, Sheldon Hottenchild sneaking by Sweet. And talk about the points battle. So Sweet won the second night. It was still good racing the second night. I think Schadenheil, or Hottenschild, Schadenheil, really. Hottenschild, <laughs> I think he came from 14th. And I think he got like third or whatever. Yeah, like third, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I mean, it was in, just in, or did he start 18th, I think he started. is where. And so, I mean, it was just great racing. Um, Logan Schuhart was good. And now the points battle, they're tied again because Sweet won. And now you have Brad Sweet and Logan Truehart again in a tie for the points. So it's been, it has not disappointed. And the one thing I think I take out of the sprint car deal is this. I really enjoy watching that online. Because that, a lot of times when you're at the race, you can't hear the commentary of the announcer. The race is exciting. The atmosphere is great. But when you're listening to it, you can, I don't remember what their announcer's name is. You guys probably know right off the top of your head. Guys, he's amazing. I mean, his his announcing is second to none. I mean, he might be the best right now out there. And the music they play and all the hype and just the whole atmosphere they get before the race, it's incredible. You don't get, in my opinion, I like enjoy that more than actually being at the sprint car race. So I'm, I'm glad I have nerd vision because I haven't missed one in a while. And they always text me, hey, Peter's coming up. So I jump on. And But uh, there's been some really good racing with that World of All Sprint Cars. And this week, I think they're coming back over to kind of our neck of the woods. So, um, Puka, I know you're a big late model guy. It hurts your feelings when we talk about sprint cars. And all the sprint car guys were happy that Kyle Larson went the other direction. But, you know, are you kind of following me and Bert? I mean, what's your thoughts on the sprint car? Uh, oh, no, I, yeah, no I, I've always been kind of a sprint car guy. I think I was bigger. It seems like the sprint cars, the sprint cars were like when I was getting into racing in the late 80s, sprint cars were really, they were bigger than late models. You know, Wolfgang, Kinzer, Swindell. And I don't know what kind of happened in the 90s. They just, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, because remember they used to be on TNT. So they yeah. had that, all that national, I mean, that Fargo race, you know, that would be on TNT every year and the double header there. And, you know, it was the Pennzoil World of Outlaws. We had the Skull Bandit World of Outlaws when I first remember. And I remember it being the Pennzoil World of Outlaws. So I don't know what happened, if it was that TV coverage that they lost or what, but it just seems like it just, I don't know. But their, their shows are all sold out. But I, it just seems like they just, I don't know if they just lost me or they lost others. But, uh, I mean, Hibbing back in the day, they used to have a sprint special just about every year, you know, and then that that went away. You know, I remember seeing shots there in 96 roll over and started dead in the heat, then started dead last and still ended up third. So, uh, but no, I thought the racing was great. That, that U.S. 36 in Missouri there on, on Saturday night that the fans stood the whole race. They stood the whole race. And then they moved over last night to I-80 Speedway out in Nebraska. The track was fantastic. Like you said, all of a sudden here comes hot and child out of nowhere. Uh, you know, sweet was digging hard. Carrie Madsen was up there. Now our buddy, Donnie shots a fifth on Saturday, a seventh on Sunday. He's not quite got what it takes. It doesn't look like to get that point title done this year. I just, you know, at this point I, I would take the under on him. I just don't think they're, they're there yet. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and Tony Stewart had an interview on Dirt on Dirt talking about, you know, the, the late model show coming up um, that's replacing the World 100. And he said their engine program, they, they're just struggling with that. They're just not where they need to be yet. So he thought that it was going to be a little bit smoother deal, but it's just not going how they want. 
And and a couple things talking about because I kind of felt the same way. Like I was a big sprint car guy. I loved um, watching Kinzer. I mean, you know, obviously he was the best. But you know, Steve Kinzer kind of dominated. But then you had Brad Doty. You had um, what what was the other Kinzer? The, the five. The number. Mark. The, Mark, Mark, Mark yeah. So you had Mark Kinzer. You had you had Hottenchild. You had uh, Danny Lasowski, right? Ah, you had yeah. you had all these guys, and I felt like there was there was a lot of guys that had an opportunity to win. And then for a while, and it seemed to me like it was just kind of dominated, right? Kind of like for a while there, it was Kinzer just kind of dominated. A lot of them guys fell off. And then, of course, uh, Shots dominated, and he didn't really have much of a challenge. But the one thing, in my opinion, that has me captivated, I think the announcer. Johnny Gibson, that's his name. Johnny Gibson. If they – they better be paying that guy a ton of money because I think he takes what's already a good show and makes it a spectacle. I think he's so good at what he does that he captivates the crowd and the highlights and, and just his, his voice and the way and the, his, he's got a lot of knowledge and all the excitement. I think making it, instead of just making it an exciting race, now it's an exciting event. And I, and I think that might have that kind of drawn me in and it's got my attention because every single one, it's like, you know, the hair on your arms raised when they go four wide and he's announcing the four wide salute. And it's like, it's like you just get jacked to the moon. They got the music playing and it's the right kind of music because it gets you pumped up. Right. And uh, I think they just do a hell of a job with that deal. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that attributes to the online world right now for people being able to watch that online. And when they see that kind of hype, they're selling out because it's like, I got to get to one of them shows. So I think everything's just falling together well for the world of Outlaw Sprint Car Series right now. And we might be able to get him on. And I think, because I think his story is, I think he had some sort of position with the Outlaws, not the announcing position. And then something happened, like, I don't know if the regular announcer got sick or Something happened like at the spur of the moment, they handed him the mic and then that's how we got to start. So uh, maybe we'll be able to get him on like during the off scene, during the winter or something and uh, kind of get his story. But it's, it's something along those lines. That would be good. We definitely need to do that because he does a hell of a job for sure. Yeah. Anything else in the sprints, Bert? Nope. Good to go. All right. So we're going to head over to the preview section, but before we get to the preview section, we want to thank and mention our friends here at dirt track supply. So, uh, racers, you know, it's getting to be the, towards the end of the year, you know, our, you know, your month of money is kind of coming up, you know, we're, we're getting into the invite season. So parts are getting a little bit old, not just engine parts, but chassis parts, dirt track supply. That's who you call everything you need. They got AFCO products, all-star products, weld, QA1, everything you need, dirt, dirt track supply.com. And of course they also have the arrow chassis. <laughs> what do you got there, Ryan? <laughs> They, they also have Weir's Machine products, right, which is a sponsor of our series. I'm over at the Tardy Camp right now. I've been picking on these guys a little bit. I said, Ryan's rent. You guys need to stop sucking, right? And uh, so I'm over at the Tardy Camp right now, and I happen to steal their right rear. And I tell you, the sliders right here from Weir's Machine are sweet. They're a little bit better than the ones that I used to use back in the day. And uh, just another great product from Where's Machine. I talked to Trevor at Dirt, uh, at Dirt Track Supply, and you can get all your Where's products from Trevor at Dirt Track Supply. So um, just great to have both of them guys on board and everything they do for the sport. Yes, thank you, guys. And, yeah, smooth transition, Ryan. Great job. So, all right, now <laughs> we're going to head into the preview section here. We've kind of get into 
a big week of racing and kind of me and Ryan's home area here. So uh, Thursday night we've got, well, actually, Ryan, do you, do you want to, do you want to go first or you want me to, to get into the prelude? I think we need to start with a moment of silence um, because we're all heartbroken that there's no silver 1000 to kick things off this year. So, okay. So there's our moment of silence for the Proctor Speedway. Honestly, that sucks. I mean, because that's one of my favorite invitationals, two classes of cars. Um, they do a great job at the Proctor Speedway. That, that's always a sellout crowd. Uh, of course, COVID and other reasons they weren't able to open up, but the ABC Raceway, of course, they picked up the slack and they said, hey, if Proctor's not running, we'll run a show that weekend. They kind of have something worked out with Proctor on it. So they're having the prelude to the clay Thursday night, ABC Raceway, Ashland, Wisconsin, late models, modifieds, and super stocks. You can catch all the action live on Dirt Race Central for that one. So uh, Puka or Bert, either one of you guys going to that show? Um, no, I will not be going. Uh, I actually did do a Google map search though to see how long these trips would be for me and it's about three hours of Ashland so that what isn't too bad but then uh where where are they the next two nights or it's, it's, yeah so Grand so Rapids Grand Rapids is like six to seven hours away no from me. no no you're looking at this all wrong you're looking at you don't <laughs> get it okay so it's three hours to Ashland and then it's <laughs> then it's literally okay it's about two hours and 45 minutes which it's shorter to your next race <laughs> it's shorter okay and then and then from grand rapids friday to Hemmings, 35 minutes so it's way shorter to your next two races and monday's a holiday so you have a travel day on monday come on up barbecue with me and puka have a hell of a time <laughs> bring the wife it's gonna be fun get your butt up there <laughs> just as I, easy as that bert yeah just as easy. he's not even tall in a car you're, you're driving in the streetcar. You get 30 miles to the gallon. I used to drive that far with a hauler getting five miles to the gallon. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Thursday night, like I said, we're going to hope for great weather. So, like Ryan said, uh, there'll be Thursday night in Ashland. The caravan will come on, move through the Twin Ports where they normally start there in Proctor, come up to Grand Rapids on Friday. Uh, what class is they running on Friday, Ryan? 26th annual Wasota Classic. Late models is the marquee class. That's going to be 3500 to win thanks to Danny Provenzino, Jeff's brother. Um, SafeFloors.us kicked in an extra 1500 to the winner. And then they're going to have mods, supers, Midwest mods, and pure stocks. So they're running five classes. Um, I'm expecting to have two, maybe three heats of everything, and I'm hoping for a good feel of the late models with the series. So – um, it should be some good racing there on Friday night, uh, 26th annual Wasota Classic, Grand Rapids Speedway. Okay, and that will be at the Itasca County Fairgrounds, which is just blocks for me. People will camp, or maybe some people even that night will move over to Hibbing to the former St. Louis County Fairgrounds. So the whole caravan, little tent city will be moving around. They'll go for two nights in Hibbing, Saturday and Sunday, full, full complete programs for the late models and modifieds, and then heats for who, Ryan? So here's the deal. Labor Day, and we talked about this, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit right now, is they struggled last year. And we don't want to call it one of our home tracks. We don't want to throw them under the bus. But they realized it, right? It was an eight-and-a-half-hour program day one last year. It was a debacle, right? And they looked at that, and I'm talking to the board members. They're like, we can't have this. This is ridiculous. Number one, you can't have an eight-hour program. Number two, it can't be bone dry like it was. I mean, you've got to have some moisture on the track. You can't do day racing. We all agree day racing sucks, okay? There's no, nothing good about day racing. 
So I'm super excited that the folks at the Hemming Raceway decided that they wanted to better the program. Both nights are starting at six o'clock. No more day racing. So they're starting at six. Number two is the mods and lates are running two complete shows. Them are the two marquee classes. And then it's gonna be Supers, Midwest Mons, Piers, and Hornets. They're running their heats on Saturday and they run their features then on Sunday. So it's gonna be, it's better for the racers, it's better for the fans, it's better for the atmosphere, it's better for the track conditions. And uh, I'm excited to be part of that up at the Hibbing Raceway this weekend. All right, well, should we get into some picks? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Bert, I know that this ain't your this ain't your wheelhouse, <laughs> but you know some of the late model guys that are going to be up there. So are we? We're just gonna, we're not going to pick all the classes, right? We'll just focus on the late models. Yeah, I'll focus on the late models. Save some time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Bert, age are we picking beauty? Age before are we, beauty. Are we picking one for the whole weekend? Or yeah, just kind of who you like, who you're looking for. Um. Well, I mean, it's hard to go against, as Ryan says, the X factor. <laughs> so I'll pick him, Jesse Glenn's. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, you want no, me to go? I do. Well, okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm kind of a little dark horses here, but uh, I'm gonna go with Derek Vessel to, to have a good uh, four day shot. And if I was a dirt draft guy, I would be pro Derek Vessel. I would fade. Budislavich just a little bit. A guy that I thought would actually have a little bit of a better year. Not that he's had a bad year, but he's been building, building, building. But this year, he just hasn't been able to get out of over the hump. So uh, fade booty, but uh, let's uh, let's give a thumbs up to uh, Derek Vessel for the weekend. How about you, Ray? Yeah, both good picks. And Vessel was pretty fast there last year, too. <clears throat> now, with that said, I mean, you got your traditionals, guys. You got Nor, you got Kanta, you got Steve Larson. You know, you have you have all these guys. You have Daryl Nelson, who's who's like literally right there for a win. But I'm telling you, and I've been saying this for a while, my pick to the guy to watch this weekend, I, I truly believe he's going to win one of these four races, Jeffrey Massengill. He has been solid all year long, and they have literally traveled all over racing against the best competition they can race against, not missing any of the big shows. They've been going to all of these shows, not dodging competition. They've been seeking out competition and uh man i i think that 6m is due and and he came from pretty deep last year on the second night he got like second or third and he was so he was bolted and uh this is his home turf he, he's been running really well there um so that's my pick i'm going with jeffrey massonville to win it at least one of these shows all right nice yeah and he uh what he got i think he got second at the silver last year i think door one i think he got second or maybe third but he was right up there in the silver also jeffrey was so yeah good luck to all the competitors should be a great let's pray for you know cross fingers for some good weather so not only do we have racing up here in northern minnesota ryan we're also going to have some racing down in aberdeen and some racing in alex and some racing in <laughs> all right this is bringing me to ryan's rant of the week all right and last year, I guess I'm over at the Tardy Camp right now. So I'm gonna, it was John's idea. So I'm going to say Ryan's Rants of the Week brought to you by Tardy Racing. Again, please don't suck. Okay, please don't <laughs> suck. But, okay, so Labor Day weekend, I'm a traditionalist, all right? It's all, for me, in our area, it's always been the Silver 1000 and the Labor Day shootout. They slid in the Wasota Classic because there was really no Friday stuff in between there. Of course, that's been going on for 20. This is the 26th annual. 
Now that's been, it's been kind of that. That's been the weekend. Late models, back in the day when we were kids, late models would come from all the regions, eastern Wisconsin, North Dakota. I mean, they'd be Iowa. I mean, they'd be coming from everywhere. And now everybody wants to have a special, right? You got, I'm going to look here. You got Aberdeen, they're running a double header. You got Alexandria running a double header. You got Brainerd running a double header. You got Greenbush. You got Rice Lake. You got Devil's Lake. You got I-94 on Friday. You got Grand Forks on Friday. What? <laughs> it sucks. Okay, plain and simple. Okay, these are. This is supposed to be the invitational season. This is where there's specials. I don't want a special where you got. Oh, sweet! It's a special. We got five extra guys because everybody else is racing. Nobody wants that. Nobody. See, if tracks are looking at specials to be their bread and butter to make their event profitable, fix what you're doing during the year and have some profitable stuff during the year. Let's get into invitational season where we truly have invitationals. I don't know if we got to rotate things. I don't know what we got to do, right? But the fact of the matter is I want to see an invitational where we have 50 late models. I want to see that. I want to see back when I was racing, we had – 70 super stocks, 70 to 80 modifieds. I mean, there was a ton of cars, but now everybody's got a special. It drives me insane. The atmosphere is totally different. I remember going to the Labor Day shootout, and we'll talk more in depth about this this week. We're going to talk about some of our memories, but I remember hopping in the vehicle, begging my mom and dad, saying, let's go to Hibbing. Let's just let's go for a ride. And it'd be Friday night before the races. It'd be like midnight, 1 o'clock. And we would drive through the, uh, through the campground of the track. We'd drive over to the different hotels. Yeah. And we'd just drive around. And it was open trailers. It wasn't a big white box. And we'd look to see, oh, wow, this guy's here. That guy's here. This guy's here. And it's people you never seen, right? And all these different cars would come. And it just ain't that way anymore. So they call them specials. But literally every single week, all year long, every week, there's been a special every week. Yeah. Every well, and I week. think, I think, like you said, it comes down to it. Like you said, the trash got to be profitable. Money's going to talk at the end of the year. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, like you said, you know, if Hibbing's paying enough, if Hibbing's paying a thousand to start for the late models, then maybe Grand Forks would at least rethink having the late models. Or if, if they're paying whatever, I don't know what the mods are paying. If they're paying 500 to start for the mods, well, then maybe Brainerd rethinks, you know, or, or you know, whoever. But it's, you know, it's going to be one of those deals where money talks and then the strong survive. And I talked to Pat Noor this week, and I said, Pat, you know, we were talking about the upcoming, uh, this, the series, right, the TriStar uh, Engines and Transmissions Late Model Series that we have going on for the four-day swing. And he's pretty excited about that. He thought that was a cool bonus because the late model guys, they're actually paying less to get in this year at all these shows. And they're making more money. So it's a great deal for them. And, and I said, what do we have to do to get these specials to where we can get all these guys? And I talked to them about the power rankings, how we have, there's top guys in Eastern Wisconsin, South Dakota, North Dakota, you know, our region up here with Proctor, Hibbing, Superior Rapids, the Cedar Lake Menominee group. So you got like some distinct areas. Plus then you have the Fergus Falls group, you know, with Shaw and some of them, that, the guys that run there. I said, what do we have to do to pull six, eight guys from each one of these series? And he really didn't have an answer. They can't save money because Aberdeen had a 10 grand to win. I think a thousand to start and only two guys from Wisconsin and two from our area even went. Yeah. So they can't save money. You know, they had 10 grand to win at the, at the masters at Cedar Lake and how many guys traveled to go to that? Not many. So 
is it money? What, what is it? I don't understand. Somebody please help me on this because if we could figure out a way to get more of these drivers there, there ain't a race car drive or a race car fan out there that doesn't want to see all the top guys head to head. And that's what makes the crown jewels a crown jewel in open late model racing, right? You see the World 100 because you have the Lucas guys there, you have the World of Outlaw guys there, and then you have the guys like Overton and all that that maybe aren't following a series there, and they're all together. We thrive on that. We love that. And, and we don't see that with Wasota. That was kind of the idea behind the challenge series, right? Is that's a great way to get all these guys competing head to head. And then they get like seven guys follow the whole challenge series. That, that formula didn't work because the pay is really not that good. So the fact is how, I mean, do you guys have a, a thought on that? How do we, what do we got to do to really make specials into a special? What, what's the answer? What, what's it missing? Go ahead, Bert. Well, I mean, for me, for a special to be a special, you have to have not just a couple, but a good number of out-of-town drivers show up. And as you stated, when tracks are scheduling specials on the same weekend, it doesn't allow for the drivers to travel to the different tracks. I mean, you, Western Wisconsin has a long history while well, western wisconsin and eastern minnesota has a long history of having specials in september in eastern wisconsin pretty much once you get to labor day the season's over i mean there are tracks that they call it a special but basically it's just a regular night that they're racing in september um you know 141 speedway does have uh it's a three-day special at the end of september going into october um so you guys actually have it better off than we do in eastern Wisconsin but I mean for me I mean one of my favorite parts of being on MJ McBride's pit crew was traveling to the Wasota 100 at Cedar Lake in September and then traveling to the Punky Manor at Menominee I mean our Menominee trip that was one of the uh, that's one of the trips that we look forward to the most every year I mean it was a race that MJ loved to race in and I mean we enjoyed being at the racetrack, but we, we also had a lot of fun after the races too. But I mean, a lot of that fun after the races too was, uh, you know, being with drivers from other towns. I mean, when the, I think it was the Super 8 was still around in Menominee when we would travel and they had a bar in their hotel, which was which was great because you didn't have to drive anywhere. You, you could just walk to your room. But like, I mean, I remember Harry Hansen was in there every, every year, you know, MJ was in there, you know, drivers from all over the place would go, you know, who stayed well, even if they weren't staying at the hotel, they'd go to the bar at least. And I mean, it was just a lot of fun. And to me, that's what a special is. But if tracks are scheduling on top of each other, that's not possible. Yeah, and you said Harry was at the bar. You're lying because Harry don't drink. Um, so, <laughs> but you're exactly right. You know, that, that's kind of the thing is, and I remember MJ coming up to him. And in fact, I tagged you in a picture on the 2020 yep. page. You know, that, that was pretty cool. And, and me and Puka, we, that's what we grew up. We saw the Eastern Wisconsin guys come and the guys from Grand Forks and Fargo. And, you know, you'd see all them guys come and, and a ton of people from Thunder Bay come down, which that sucks this year because the whole Canada contingent's not going to be at invites. That's going to be kind of weird because that's a big group of people that come down. 
you know, but it's just, it's changed. And, and I think, uh, I think the biggest reason that we have so much good luck in getting the Eastern or the Western Wisconsin guys, they don't have anywhere else to race. Right. You know, so they, they're only track racing down there this year with Cedar. Menominee didn't even race and none of the other tracks have late models. So they have to come up if they want to race, but you get out West and it's like, did Grand Forks really need to run Labor Day weekend? Really? I mean, why? They, they, they have a full season already. It's probably, I mean, take that weekend off, have a sprint car special, do whatever, because traditionally all we used to get six, eight of them guys every year from Grand Forks that would come over to the Labor Day shootout. And I am going to do everything I can this year to just chisel on Brad Seng because he's on the, he's, I think he's the president of the NLRA. And I, I know he's heavily involved with the River City Speedway. And I am literally going to chisel on him and chisel on him and chisel on him till next year take Labor Day weekend off because they have one race over there. That's all they race. They got one race on a Friday. That's it. Well, they could come over here, race Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for some legit money and, and get a whole bunch of phases over here. I think it'd be good for racing is what it'd be good for. Would all of them travel over? No, absolutely not. But there's probably a handful of them that would like to. But if they're stuck in a points battle at Grand Forks, well, they ain't going to come because they're already in a points battle. They ain't coming. So I just never believed in that. You know, so hopefully I think some things need to change there. Tracks need to communicate better, you know, together to kind of, hey, can you take this weekend off? And that's something that definitely has to be done because I think that's one of the big draws of the sport is, Bert's biggest one of his memories grow, you know, going with MJ was going to these specials. And that was mine growing up. Mine growing up, yeah, we went to Hibbing every Saturday and we went to Rapids quite a bit. But come invitational time, I was jacked up and pumped to go to the Wissota 100. We went to the Punky Manor. You know, we went to the Red Clay Classic. You know, we got to go to the, all these out of town weekend specials. It was a destination deal. And we all loved it. And like you said, you got to visit with all these guys and all the people that you don't see all year long. And uh, do you think that having a special like every week all year long hurt that? Because there's already so many specials. Do you think that has an impact on the end of the year stuff? Uh, I don't know. Because the end of the year stuff is typically multi-day. You know, you bring the camper, whether you're a racer or a fan. I just... Uh, well, I mean, one thing I know is being a parent, all your sports has affected everything, you know, and it's affecting racing as far as not this year. <laughs> not, not this year. <laughs> not this year. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe it'll be better this year. Uh, but even on the specials, I think one thing that tracks need to look at is let's face it, 99% of these racers are not professional racers. They're working class guys that have a job. They're coming to race. Racing's their hobby. I think. Even, even the shows, and I'm glad, like Rapids, I said, 3500 that's great. But I think it's more important to pay about 2000 to win, but 500 to start, than it would be to maybe pay four grand to win and 300 to start. Because you got to get the guys there, and they've, they've got to feel like they can at least cover some of their gas, food. And, of course, it's not the, the promoter's fault, but everyone's got to have, like I said, a, a toter home that gets four or five miles to the gallon, you know, so they look – you know, they all, all, what is it? All show, all, all show, no go or whatever. But, you know, but I mean, you know, getting that starting P I think is, you know, um, is very important, you know, cause that I think was the rumble success back 20 years ago, 10,000 to win, but a thousand to start, you know, a thought back then, you know, 15, 20 years ago. 
So I think if you get that star play where a guy says, gosh, if I just make the race, I can make a little more or at least break even. But then if I get 10th, then I might really be in the money. You know, so I, I think some of that start money, because like I said, these guys are working class guys. You know, they're, they got a job. They can't lose too much. Um, you know, the, I think that start pay is really something to look at. And Pat Doerr said it, you know, and, and he's a guy that, let's face it, doesn't really hurt for money, right? We got, we got Jeff Tardy there. We got Jeff Tardy in the background, flying things around. Yeah. So, but he asked the same thing. He goes, yeah, I see it's 3500 to win. I see it's three grand to win, but what's fifth pay? Is that, that was a question that he asked. What's fifth pay? And uh, Dustin Strand said exactly the same thing. He goes, yeah, 10 grand to win is great, but I'd rather see five grand to win, you know, three, four, 500 to start and have it pay 4,500 for second, four grand. So I think that Dolly Parton purse deal is not a good deal. I think you got to pay deep. And Ashland really, really does good at that. Ashland is attractive and always paid really deep at these specials. So I'm, I'm hoping that pays off for them on Thursday. Um, I just well, Ryan, you asked if the specials during the year hurt the specials at the end of the year, and then Puka made a comment about you know these guys don't race for a living, and I think those two things are are kind of intertwined because um, yes, I think be, with the spe with more specials during the year, it does hurt the prestige of the specials at the end of the year. But speaking on uh, you know, these guys aren't professional drivers. They have jobs. When you have a job, though, you only ha you have a limited amount of vacation. So if you're taking vacation time to go to specials throughout the year, you may not have as much vacation time in September for those specials. So you have to kind of pick and choose which specials you want to go to. Are you going to save your vacation time for the September specials? Or are you going to go to, you know, the five th the twin 5,000 to win races back-to-back -back nights at a track? Um, you know, I think there's, there's more, more of that to consider now than there was in the past. And I know we're, we're talking about track scheduling against each other, but being on the eastern side of Wisconsin, I think one thing that hurts eastern guys traveling to other races in western Wisconsin and Minnesota is when... Uh, Eastern Wisconsin dropped the Wissota sanction. It's seen, you know, the drivers, I mean, there's only a couple of drivers from Eastern Wisconsin that, that will race in Wissota sanctioned events, it seems. And if, if there was a way to get the Wissota and Eastern Wisconsin back together again, um, I don't know how, I mean, I was hoping Dirt Kings would be able to pull some of the, the drivers and, tracks together but it hasn't worked out as well as I was hoping it was going to work out now granted this year was an aberration I guess you could say because of COVID but um, to me there's got to be there's got to be a way to link eastern and western Wisconsin somehow and I mean if you link those two um, eastern Minnesota you know automatically gets linked in also that's something we're going to work on for next year. Stay tuned. We'll visit this in a the few one weeks. The one negotiable invitational. Just, just, just stay tuned. Stay tuned. I, I, we got something up our sleeve here that uh, that we'll talk about later. So, Luca, does that bring us to the last lap or what? Not to the last lap, or we've got one to go. So, just uh, Bert here. Uh, some news out of, uh, well, I guess out of Kenosha that caused uh, some, some, uh, <laughs> A domino effect to racing. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, unless you're living under a rock or don't watch the news, like I don't watch much national news anymore, but living in Wisconsin, you can't avoid this story. Obviously, everybody's heard about what's going on in Kenosha with the rioting, protesting, and that sort of thing. Uh, Kenosha County has uh, issued a curfew, so Wilmont Speedway had to uh, cancel their races last Saturday night because of the curfew. I've also heard that uh, some of the roads in the area are closed because they're trying to uh, uh, keep out of towners out of the, you know, from coming in and instigating stuff and that sort of thing. Uh, but what I read is uh, Wilmont is hoping to be able to race this coming Saturday. Um, I know uh, Kenosha County extended the curfew until uh, this coming Wednesday. So hopefully that's it. Um, I know there is a Dirt Kings racer on scheduled there for September 12th. So hopefully this is all, uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to have that race, but obviously there's a lot of unrest down in that area. So I'm not even sure if some people even want to go, go down there. <clears throat> yeah. Scary times down there right now. Well, Ryan alluded to this a little bit earlier. So yeah, it sounds like the world of outlaw sprint cars have indeed scheduled back-to-back -back racing this coming week weekend at Hucid Speedway. So that Todd Kearing, just uh, like we talked about, we talked about uh, Jackson being kind of like the little Knoxville, and now he's taking hold of this old Badlands Speedway, which is the old Houston Speedway. Uh, they had the All-Stars there, I think, just like a few weeks ago. So now the World of Outlaws will be, sprint cars will be back-to-back -back there Saturday, Sunday, coming up here Labor Day weekend. Uh, Ryan, we got some news on a rescheduled event for the Lucas Oil Late Models. Yeah, you know, Knoxville's canceled. You know, that that sucks because that's, that's turned into a pretty big event. Of course, that's... They didn't cancel the sprint car stuff because that's sprint car country, but they canceled the rest of the season, which included the late model, the Knoxville late model nationals. But, you know, one of the tracks that is a marquee late model track, everybody that's a late model fan knows the Kasiski name. They're going to be going to I-80 that week instead of Knoxville. So there'll still be some good racing for them. Yeah, especially after what we saw last night with the sprint cars. Nothing's changed since the Lucas Oil late models were there about a month ago. Still looks pretty good. So... All right, fellas, we ran just a little bit long here. Anything else, or is that pretty much uh, a wrap? Yeah, I have one more thing. I've been calling this guy out over and over and over and over, saying you got to, like, quit sucking. And and uh, I'm over at the Tardy camp right now, and they may have made a couple adjustments. So are you going to get this thing in victory lane this weekend or what? Well, we only have about 15 races on this Mars car, but, but we're going to try to take uh, Ryan's influence a little bit on it. And I think I'm gonna call it out. I think I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> win either the Rapids or the Hibbing. How's that? There, there you go, Jeff's already there calling it out. No, what he doesn't know is I had a slider and I turned about 17 turns into this thing, so he's not really sure where it's at. <laughs> so I don't know if that's either gonna be good or bad. But uh, Jeff Hardy, modified 67, he's he's due for a win. So let's see if that can happen this weekend. Go ahead, Bert. I have a question for Ryan. Uh, you said that you were talking to Pat Doerr about the power rankings and stuff. Did he ask where he was in the power rankings? No, he knows he's been struggling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hasn't had a good August, that's for sure. So, all right, well, we'll get wrapped up here. We want to thank Weir's Machine for their support. We want to thank Dirt Track Supply for their support. We want to wish Jeff Tardy, my old pal, really good luck this weekend. Are you racing? Are you going to Ashland, too? No, I can't make Ashley work uh, okay. till Friday morning. Yeah, so, okay. 
So we're doing rapids and hibbing, and but we will definitely make it to Ashland because it's one of my favorite tracks. That's okay. for the red plate. You yes, the red plate. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, Bert, Bert's comment on on work. He he has to work. So easy solution <laughs> is quit your job, right? I mean. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Good good luck, and Ryan. Again, thanks for everything you've done for the make this weekend even better with uh, with that late model bonus and all that good stuff. So, um, and like I said, Ryan and I are going to get together later this week. We're going to tell some stories about Labor Day. We will be jumping on live uh, from some of the events over the weekend. So follow the One to Go Show. Like I said, YouTube, Facebook. Of course, the podcast, TikTok, everything, so we can we'll kind of fill you in on some of that live track stuff. So with that, uh, we will wrap up. Get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the One to Go show. <laughs>